Courageous. Courageous. How many of you desire or have desired or, or throughout your life want to be courageous? Courageous is, is a term that is much coveted, and we would like to think ourselves courageous, but many times, if we're honest with ourselves, we're not really courageous. Let's define courageous. Courageous, mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Danger, fear, or difficulty. I would submit to you today that uh, I don't have to tell you this. Most of you would know this. Those of you who have walked with the Lord, one of the main tools of the enemy is fear. Fear paralyzes. Fear Fear takes you to a place where you do mental gymnastics. Fear gets you in an arena where the Holy Spirit is trying to work in your life. But fear is, is ruling and reigning and, and dominating the, maybe your thought life or that one area of your life. Fear of change. Fear of letting go. Fear of allowing God to be God in your life. And, and, and so fear, this idea of being paralyzed by fear. And so, so today I want to talk to you the opposite. Uh, not necessarily the opposite, but we, we, we counter fear with faith. Fear and true faith cannot coexist. It's like light and dark, darkness. I have been out on the, the water many, many, many times at night. And, 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 and sometimes when, when there's no moon and, and how those of you who have been out like off, maybe offshore at night or, or in the, the Bahamas or somewhere where there's not a lot of light, I would use the river as an illustration, but, but it's very hard to get away from light in, in our river. But you, you get the picture and it can be completely dark. And, but if there is a light within miles of some boat or something, or maybe it's just a campfire or whatever it is. It can be the darkest of dark of dark. But if there's one little bit of light, it dispels the darkness to its fullness. That's what faith does to fear. And, and so today I want to talk a little bit about courageous faith. Courageous faith. And, and, I, and we're going to look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I, I will tell you this. I wrote one sermon on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it had nine points. <laughs> and and when, we, when we get in the new building, maybe you'll get some nine-point sermons. You'll get some barbed wire fence sermons. And many of you, I will say this, many of you have been asking about the new building and what's going on with that. We have some really, you want some good news? You'll have to come back next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some neat stuff happening this week, though. But you'll hear about it, hear about it next week. So we're going to look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'm so glad God knew what was going to happen earlier. And not that that will happen in any service after this. Maybe that was just for, for us this morning. But, but so, so I, I cut it in half. I cut the sermon in half. So part one of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because there's just so much in here. Daniel chapter three, verses one through seven. Daniel chapter three, verses one through seven. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, and it's with six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, and the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province 
to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. You want to talk about an ego? Huge. Then a herald cried aloud to you, it is a command, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery. In other words, at any time you hear the noise that was created for worship in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Let's not pass by that. Whether you're at a wedding, whether you're walking down the street, whether you're in a a coliseum watching a sporting event, anytime you hear a concert of musicians come together and play, you will bow down and worship this idol. Wow. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fire furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, harp, and lyre, and symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image, which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And I'll catch you up on the story. Verses 7 through 12, 12 8 through 12, we know that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to do this. Then some people come to the king and say, hey, there's these children, these young men who refuse to bow down to this image that you have set up. In other words, they're not playing along. And, and, and so this is where we pick the story up. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the idea of courageous faith. Lord, would you use your word to change us so we could change the community that you've placed us in? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Watch this. Number one, courageous faith will draw the rage of culture. And it's amazing to me how we can look at a story that's thousands of years old that is so applicable to the culture and the day that we live in. That's the, that's the amazing thing about the Word of God. It's not an archaic book. Even in the Old Testament, you know, we read the Old Testament through a New Testament lens, but we can see, we, we, can, we can so see the culture that we live in being played out right here before our very eyes thousands of years ago. Verse, the courageous faith will draw the rage of culture. Daniel 3, 13 through 15. So he finds out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will not bow down. And so this is where we pick the story up, verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you're ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all the kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good... But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fire furnace. And who is the God who, and who is the God, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? And who is the God, small g, who will deliver you from my hands? If you go back to the point, courageous faith 
will draw the rage of the culture. You see that King Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and fury. He could not believe that there was someone who was going to go against his authority. He could not believe that there was someone who was going to stand up for what they believed in. He could not believe. And we live in such a politically correct society. And it is so infiltrated how we think, how we raise our kids. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble today. How we think, how we raise our kids, how we operate on a daily basis, that we are, we are literally terrified to stand up in some arenas for what we believe in because we don't want to deal with the consequence, which I'm calling rage today, from the evil culture that we live in. And if you, if, if you disagree with that, I'm sorry. Hopefully you can see, see the truth in that. And so, so this idea of the rage, the Bible talks a lot about in the last day of the church being persecuted. But, but let's look real quick at John chapter 15. So this was flat of the New Testament. John 15, 18 and 19. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And and that's some strong language, isn't it? Because we want people to like us. We want people, and, and, and don't, don't get me wrong here, we shouldn't go just making enemies. They will know, they will know we are his disciples by our love, right? But, but there, there is an area, a line that is drawn in how we live our life and, and what we stand for that at some point will draw the rage of the culture. Uh, I remember the Columbine shootings and, and the story of Cassie Bernal. And I remember, I remember visualizing this precious little girl because I had a daughter in, in a lunchroom on her knees and the question being asked, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And, and, and her saying, by all means, and I don't remember the exact words, but yes, 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 and giving her life for her faith. And, and, and yes, we mourn for that, but I, I can tell you that that story has been told over and over and over and over again. And the good and the salvations and the building of faith that has come through that, God may not have caused it, but he certainly used it. It was rage of the culture in the face of courageous faith. You, you keep going in the New Testament and you go, go to this next verse, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Will suffer, suffer persecution. And so we're right there. We're told straight up, look, if you desire to live a godly life, if you desire to run a godly business, if you desire to lead a godly home, if you desire to raise godly children, if you desire to raise, you are going against the grain of this culture. And those of us who, who we know this, but, but, but it's, it's really good to remember we're not alone in this. And, and so as, as God calls us 
to a deeper level of understanding of what He requires of us and, and who he, he is molding us in us to be by the gift of His Holy Spirit and listening to the prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives and letting go, we will be persecuted. We will be. I, mean, I don't know why Christians are shocked when we, we see on, on, we are shocked because it's terrible, but we see on TV and the news of Christians being, being beheaded or, or, or uh, cathedrals that profess the name of Jesus being blown up. And we talk about, yeah, but you know, are we really living in the last days? We're not living in the last days. The Bible says these things must happen. You will be, but the church will be persecuted. Oh, but it's going to grow. Read the New Testament. The church grew in persecution. The church didn't grow when everything was hunky-dory. The church didn't grow when the message was going forth. If you have enough faith, you can get whatever you want. The church didn't grow. The church grew when they were hiding out just to praise the name of Jesus. The church grew just beneath the shadow of a bloody cross. The church grew when they knew it took more than just showing up and putting a bumper sticker on the back of my camel. The church grew... I don't know where this stuff I know where it comes from (laughs) praise God the next time you're persecuted for his name's sake count it count it as a win the next time in the face of, not, not boisterous, not prideful. And we're going to see that through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But just simply, hey, I, this is what I believe. And, and you'll be persecuted for that. Wow. Am I a friend of the world? Or I, have I befriend, befriended the friend of sinners? Praise God. Number two, courageous faith is a settled faith. Courageous faith is a settled faith. Uh, how do you word this, this point? A settled faith. In other words, like when you have an argument and you, you argue with someone you love, but at the end of that, you, you settle the argument. And because you love one another, you go forward in, in the fact that, okay, we have settled that issue. Courageous faith is a settled faith. Daniel 3.16 Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They were so settled in their faith that they looked back at the king in the face of a fiery furnace, in the face of dying, in the face of death, and said, look, we don't even need to respond to that. You are so far from how we were raised and what we were taught. And do you know when they were taken captive and they were taken to the land of of Babylon that their names were changed? Shadrach's original name, his, his given birth name was Hananiah, which means the gracious one. Meshach's name was Michelle, the one who's like God. And, and Abednego's name was Azariah, the helper, the one who helps. Listen to me, young people in this room right now, the world and old alike, the world will do its best to change your name. The world will do its best to put its brand on you. 
The world will do its best to have you buy into the lie that it is selling. The world will do its best to to convince you that you need certain things and and eventually you will will drift away from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And we've all done it. so, So don't feel special. And I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching with you. We can drift away from the conviction of the Holy Spirit and at some point realize I have allowed the enemy to change my name in that area of my life. I have forgotten I am a child of God. I have forgotten I'm a joint heir. I have forgotten that I'm a spirit-filled Christian. I have forgotten that I'm on purpose. I have forgotten that he has plans for me, plans to give me a hope and a future. I have, and then all of a sudden, no longer am I those things and do I make decisions in reference to that truth. I'm making decisions in reference to the culture that I'm living in. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, listen, you can take me away from what I know to be true, and you can even change my name, and you can call me something different, but I'm not forgetting who I am. We don't even have a need to answer you. We don't, let me just get out of the way. We have no need to. Courageous faith is a settled faith. Let's look at this next passage. So we go to the New Testament, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 10. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in what? Faith. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Yes, we go through trials and tribulations, but they produce perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope settles your faith. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't even have a need to answer you. We don't. It's almost comical. Like, like I can almost see them, and, and, and they're young men, so I can almost see the brashness of it, like, right? Like, I, you know, like, I, I guess they wore robes or cloaks or whatever, you know, and I don't know if they had them baggy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Straighten your turban. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that the sassiness that they had came from a settled faith, and that settled faith came from being assured of who they were in God. Wow. You, you, you look at this idea of a settled faith, and, and you think about yourself and how you live everyday life, and the fear that can blow on you and sway you into a life of chaoticness just from a whisper or a thought of the enemy. And so you got to ask yourself this question. If you're caught up in that crazy cycle of fear and, and worry and anxiety, is your faith settled? Is your faith settled? Not because, listen, faith is not so you can get what you want from God. Faith is so you can live with what God gives you. (laughs) Faith is not 
To be prostituted so that that you can draw from the the wealth of God and, and get what you want. Faith is given so you can live with what God gives you. Settled faith. Wow. Number three. Courageous faith always puts the what ifs of life in God's hands. How many of you have become, don't raise your hand. I'm going to raise it for you. We have become masters at asking ourselves, without saying it out loud, what if, haven't we? What if? The, the what if? And we, we never, ever, ever say, what if something good happens? What, what if? Da, 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 da. What if, my child? Da, 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 da. What if, we always go to the negative with the what ifs. What if? The world falls apart. What if I lose my job? What if? Much like the, the what ifs. Courageous faith always puts the what ifs of life in God's hands. Daniel 370. So, so King Nebuchadnezzar gives the challenge. They don't even feel a need to answer. But they, they go ahead in, in verse 17 of Daniel chapter 3. If, if that is the case. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. In other words, if this all shakes down, I am, I'm, they are speaking faith. They're saying, look, I know, and we're going to get, we're going to get to maybe this week, maybe next week. Remember, I told you I cut this in half. Don't miss next week. Please come back next week. Please. Because there's some some good stuff that happens. We're talking about courageous faith. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. And so in other words, they're making a faith statement not because of who they are necessarily of their their own accomplishments, but who they are in God. In other words, they're not worried about it. They're not, and how, how do we worry all day about a rude email or, or two days or three days or four days? And these guys are facing a fiery furnace, right? And they're not worried about it. Let me tell you how, because they put the what ifs of life in God's hands. They let go. What if? Well, God, you know, surely you're, you're, you're sovereign, you know. And, and so let's, let's see what the New Testament has to say about this. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And don't, don't worry. Do, do not worry. Job, the, next, the next scripture coming up, going back to the Old Testament, Job 12, 10 says, in his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of of all mankind. Is he God or isn't he God? If he's God, he can handle the what ifs. Is he, if he isn't, we are in bad shape. But he is. But he is risen. As Paul said, as we learned last week. And this word that we preach is not futile. It's not in vain. And then lastly, this, this next scripture here, going back to Matthew, different passage. Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I was very close to my grandfather, 
And I've, I've told you stories about my grandfather. And he, he built tires his whole life. He worked at Firestone in the industrial age. And, and he, he, to the day he passed away, he died mowing his lawn, had a massive heart attack. They said he was dead before he hit the ground. But one of the things he would always tell me, and he, and he would do things like check me out from school and not tell my parents. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> and take me fishing and do, yeah, you know, and it's like, and I could hear my parents downstairs arguing sometimes. Jim, you got to talk to your dad. It's the fourth time he's done that this year. My dad's like, but they caught a bunch of fish. And it's like he never did that for me. It's the joy of being a grandparent. Amen. But one of the things he would say often, and this was like a mantra, I guess, of his life. And I didn't even know it was in the Bible. He would just say, hey, don't, don't worry about tomorrow. And as I got older, you know, in middle school, and then he, he passed away and I was a freshman. But he, and I began to, don't, don't worry about, don't worry about it. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Don't, don't, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't worry about tomorrow. He's God. Put the what ifs of life in his hands. Last thing, number four. Courageous faith does the next right thing. Courageous faith does the next right thing. What a way to live life minute by minute. Daniel 3.18 but if not, now remember, I've broken up these verses, 16, 17, and 18. So Nebuchadnezzar gives the challenge. They, they hear the challenge. They say, we have no need to answer you. But if this is the case, we want you to know our God will deliver you, deliver us from you. And then, and then but this is so, 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 so important. But if not... Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Their faith did not depend on God's sovereignty. It did depend on God's sovereignty. I'm sorry. It, it, it was not, their faith did not depend on whether or not God came through in the way that they thought he should come through. It's a better way to put that. Do you get what I'm saying? And so many times we're tempted to lose faith in this, this life that we live because things don't work out the way that we think. That you, and we don't understand them in our, in our fleshly, in our, our, our earthly minds, and in, in our humanity. We can't understand why certain things happen. But his ways are higher than our ways. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or should I say Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, said, listen, listen, king, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. What is it in a person that causes them to have courageous faith? What is it in a person who, who, what's the difference from the one who stays in the foxhole versus the one who storms the beach with a weapon? What is it? In that, what is different about a person who stands in the face of the rage of a culture and says, I don't care what it costs me, I don't care what you say about me, this is who I am. What is it in a person? It's courageous faith. How, how does a person, how do, how do young men like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand before a king and say something like that? I believe, I know the secret, it's because they have lost their life 
to find it. It is no longer their life anymore. They have found a God who they know is well able to deliver him. So it's not whether he does or he doesn't. The fact is, he is able. Courageous faith does the next right thing. They knew it was wrong to worship the image of gold. So they're going to not do the wrong thing. They're going to do the next right thing. Woo, you put a string of days together doing the next right thing. Then you put some weeks together. Then you put some months together. Then you put some years together. And before you know it, that faith starts to get settled. And this world can't sway you nearly as much as it used to. Because he lifted you out of the miry clay and he put your feet on a rock to stay. Oh boy. I want to preach all nine points. I got to quit. I had some more scriptures here. Courageous faith does the next right thing. Let's just go to the very, very, very last scripture. So we'll skip James and 1 Corinthians. Jesus, speaking of Jesus, he, meaning Jesus, went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. We see Jesus with courageous faith in knowing what he is about to face. And his humanity says, oh God, if, if you can get me out of this, if there's another way, if there's another way, please, would you just make that known now, God? But if you don't decide to do that, God, not my will, but your will be done. That's the kind of Jesus we serve. That's the kind of Jesus Randy was talking about that died on the cross for us. And the veil was torn so we have the confidence and boldness to approach the throne of grace. That, that is the Jesus who said, I must go away and send the comforter, the one that, that is here today that we are experiencing, the Holy Spirit. That's the Jesus. He did the next right thing for you and me. He submitted. He lost his life for us so that we could find eternal life. Courageous faith. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you accepted? Have you opened your heart? Have you, have you opened those still doors of your heart? Say, Jesus, come in. Take my life. I don't want you to just be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. I'm tired of being grumpy and crusty and doing life mad. I'm ready for some freshness. Would you bow your heads all over this place? No one's moving unless you have to. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart? For the, are you saved? The Bible says in Romans 5, the only way that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way to have peace with God is through putting your faith in Jesus. Have you done that? Have you done that? Maybe you're watching online live right now and that's you and you've not done that. Maybe you're in this room and you've not done that. If that's you and you say, I need, to, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, you have felt God dealing with your heart this whole time and you know that the time's right. Will you just lift your hand up long enough for me to see it and put it right back down? I, I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. Wow. If you raised your hand... I want to lead you in a prayer. And when we're done with church today, go come up to this table under the screen or out to the tent. If you're watching online, go to the tab that says starting point. We'll get you a Bible and a devotion. 
right now where you where you sit pray this prayer with me father thank you for loving me and sending your only son to die for me and right now at this very moment i'm opening my heart to the gift of forgiveness that you gave by sending your son And I'm confessing in my heart that I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. I believe that Jesus Christ took my death and sit on the cross. I believe that Jesus Christ was placed in a grave. And I believe that he rose from that grave on the third day. And he's coming back for me one day. So right now, God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. And for your spirit. Lord, thank you, God, that I've been given a fresh start. A starting point. Put people in my life. Help me in this. Give me the boldness to get that Bible in devotion. In Jesus' name I pray.